Hey folks, on this week's episode of GameSpot After Dark, Jess Howard of Uppercut Crit joins us to talk about the GameStop stock situation and Animal Crossing's latest update. And welcome to episode 78 of GameSpot After Dark, GameSpot's official video game podcast. I'm your host, Jake Decker, and joining me this week is Callie Plaguey. Hello. Michael Hyam. What a do, baby. And the managing editor of Uppercut Crit, Jess Howard. Hi there. Thank you so much for joining us, Jess. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We are excited as well. Both Callie and Michael were very excited to uh, join you on this episode, as am I. Um, but before we get into what we've been playing or anything, whenever we have a new guest on, we start with a segment called the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment. Chris. Oh, it even has music. That's beautiful. This segment, basically, you just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, uh, some of your favorite games, some of your best gaming memories, like how you got into the industry, kind of just whatever you want to tell the audience about yourself. Oh, my gosh. That's that's so scary, but also exciting. So um, <laughs> I am the managing editor over at Uppercut. I just finished up an internship over at Paste. So I was working there last semester. So um, yeah, gosh, um, I like writing about games. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's mostly what I do. Uh, just features and things of that nature. I tend to focus on I guess relationships like I, I have a a column over at Uppercut that's called Heart Container and it's just all about um, like relationships whether it's family whether it's romantic um, I also tend to look at mental health I do have BPD so that's a lens through which I view video games and media um, and yeah gosh I've been playing games for as long as I can remember, honestly, there is a photo of me in like one of those pack and plays in my living room, like holding a Super Nintendo controller, like standing up in one of those. Aww. I have a whole bunch of like really dorky kid photos. I also have one <laughs> of like me at my um, like home PC looking over my shoulder and like you can see the Sims one in the background. <laughs> Just oh my god! A, a treasure trove. Um, I wrote my first. I I just used this uh this little like factoid over on Fanbyte, but I wrote my first fan fiction when I was six years old on a floppy disk about the Legend of Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, it was. I shipped um, Link and Malin from the ranch in Ocarina of Time. Classic. Um, <laughs> yeah, an OG and, ship. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and gosh, I guess some of my first games were Link to the Past. Um, I remember like Tiny Toons busting out, <laughs> Zombies Ate My Neighbors, like a whole bunch of Super Nintendo games. Um, then I started playing the 64, so like Pokemon Stadium, GoldenEye, um, the, you know, both of the 64 Zelda games. I've always loved Zelda. And then Final Fantasy VII came out, and that became my favorite game of all time, and it still is. I feel like Hell every yeah. time there's a podcast about Final Fantasy VII, I'm, like, usually on it. It's probably annoying. <laughs> but, um, yeah. What were your thoughts on the remake from I, last year? I, I had... So when I first played it, I, I got two hours into it, and then I put it down because I was really upset. <laughs> Um, and then I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I, I don't know that I'm going to like it. I, there are some things that I'm digging, but there's a lot that I just really, I really hate. <laughs> and um, I put it down for a little bit. And then eventually I was like, you know what? I, I need some closure. I'm just going to read about the ending. So I read about it. And then I was like, I, there was like that initial anger. I was like, I can't believe that they like, like Kingdom Hearts this shit. <laughs> And then I thought about it a bit longer <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, actually, like, that's kind of brilliant. <laughs> and so I went back and I played it all. And I think like knowing what they were doing with it made it to where I could accept it. And I really liked it. I, I came out really, really liking the game. Nice. Yeah, I had never played Final Fantasy VII and I started on Remake. But after I finished Remake, I went back and played the original. And I did really appreciate how more condensed that opening scene was in the original. But I also think it works spread yeah. out over the course of the remake. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Like, they, they each have, you know, like, of course, I, I love Seven, so, you know, I'm I'm going to call it perfect, even if it's it's not perfect. But I'm, you know, it's, it's like top tier in my mind. But Remake does a lot of things better and so well. Um, like, the, the characters in Remake, like, the way that they develop them and the writing – so 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 good um it was like cathartic playing that game and seeing all those like character moments that i wish that we would have had back in you know 97 so uh the other thing i want to mention is that you're also the host of palin around which callie was on a couple weeks ago and when callie was on she was like we have to get jess on because she's an incredible host uh sorry callie put you on the spot a little bit but uh after that i was like all right we got to (laughs) <laughs> Definitely got to get her on. So I'm excited just, to have you. Yeah. And I'm really I'll, impressed. I'll, <laughs> Callie <laughs> is an incredible guest and just so smart and so uh I like I that that podcast is actually probably my favorite that we've done on Pound Around. So thank you so much again for coming on. It was so good. Yeah, I had a great time. I would hope that people would listen to it. I think um like we really like got into the nitty gritty with stuff. So it was great. I was trying to think of how I met Jess and I just remembered that because I've been following Upper, Uppercut and like Ty and Monty a lot since then. But I was like, how do I know Jess? And I remember that you sent out a tweet saying, hey, uh, hit me up. I'm doing a feature on po- problematic faves. And I DM'd you and I never got back to you. It was like two <laughs> years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Shit, my bad. Um, my bad. I, I'm trying to remember like what even came of that. Like, God, I don't even remember. That was so long ago. (laughs) Yeah. And then we were on not too long ago. um, Plug for Passive Controller. Shouts out to Brendan Groom. Jess has seen me cry three times. And that was the first time I've ever been face-to-face with Jess on a video call. So um, that's, that. hey, not many people can say that. It was was so endearing, though. (laughs) I was just like, man, this is like a person who is very passionate about, about this game. And yeah. like- for context, it was it was the Persona Five Royal spoiler cast. So I didn't I didn't just hop on a video call and start crying. The first time I saw you cry was talking about uh, fucking Final Fantasy fourteen on a podcast. Mm-hmm. That's so, so that's on, brand. on brand. Oh yeah, <laughs> gang shit. You know what I'm saying? That is so on brand. God, yeah. I and hate then, it. Uh, to attest to, to Callie's point is that. Uh, that conversation I enjoyed very much because uh, Jess is you're v- very very good at. So the the moment was when you said, you know what? I don't think men really have. They oftentimes don't have an outlet to express their emotions, and they tend to ball it up inside. So we were talking about Ryuji in Persona Five. We we're talking about his social link, and then I was like breaking down. I was like, man, dog, we just trying to get ramen out here. He's pulling on my heart. That's my boy. I'll fucking die for this fool. You know what I'm saying? And then Jess was like. I think I know why, like, because it wasn't just me, too. It was, like, everyone on the podcast. And then just, like, I think I know why. And I was, like, damn. Oh, <laughs> shit, you're right. Damn. So it was, like, therapy. So just Toxic masculinity. Like, <laughs> hey, shit. You, know, you started saying, you know like, saying? just said something about men. And I'm, like, oh, fuck, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was, like, I was, like, if this were me, it could have been anything. <laughs> so. Anyway, I guess we should probably move on to what we've been playing. Michael, do you want to start? Oh shit! All right, sure. Well, <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you about my boy Asian Forty Seven. That's me. Um, so I've been I playing. Mean, I need to tell you how obsessed I am that that's your Twitter <laughs> name right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna carry on for a little bit longer. Yeah, I'm like low key trying. To, I'm like maybe I should start streaming uh, Hitman regularly. Uh, that'll be that'll be the name of my series. Uh, the, the, the the one thing I want to talk about. I just actually uh, published an article about this. Is the escalation missions. So. I did a bunch of guides for Hitman 3 and talked about how you do the mission stories, which are dope, uh, which y'all should do because it kind of shows you it shows you each piece of the level and kind of walks you through um, all the different kinds of shit that you can do, all the possibilities or shows you a lot of the possibilities of how the game works uh, and also as a guide to get to your targets, whatever. Escalation missions are basically these these made up things and um uh, so uh, Giant Bomb did this in 2017. They basically picked conditions out of a hat and said, okay, you need to kill this target with this disguise using this weapon. That's basically what escalation missions are. So oh, really? they say, yeah. So you like say, like the main objectives of, of those maps don't matter anymore. It's like they basically pick out random ass NPCs throughout the map and said, okay, that's your target now, but you need to kill them like this. 
uh, and like different conditions. So in uh, the Chongqing uh, map, which is in China, like I don't have to target the same people that were in the main story. Now it's like these NPCs, one who's like in like straight up in public. So I got to find a way to get away from them. One person who's on a rooftop that I never had to go to uh, in the in the story missions. And then, so escalation missions have three, usually have three parts. So the first part is like, just kill these targets. The second part is like, okay, now you need to kill these targets uh, through this way, which is kind of the the good shit that I that I really enjoy. And then the third one is like, okay, here's even more conditions. Like the one in Chong, for Chongqing is you have to do it in five minutes. And I'm like, what the fuck? And so I, I figured it out. I was like planning my route. I'm like, yo, okay, so I'm going to pick up this weapon that I need, but I need to dip out of this area and get... Like you have to line up so many of the patrol patterns. So it's like this mental calculation of having to time everything. And I think that it really sh- it really shows how how calculated Hitman's design is. And this has been a thing that's going on since Hitman 1 in 2016 and Hitman 2 uh, in 2018. So I actually went back to the to all those missions in Hitman 1 and 2. I'm like, they got a shit ton of escalation missions. Like for now, it's just like three separate um series is in hitman 3 but you go back to those old missions they got all kinds of shit i'm like yo what the fuck you can buy these games it's like a big ass playground with all this different shit that you can play with it's man hitman's fucking mm. so between hearing you say that and then somebody i don't remember who it was they tweeted like a, a still of one of the levels in hitman and it was like a, a haunted manor type looking thing yeah between okay, that. between hearing you say that and that still, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm buying this as soon as I'm back home and have my PlayStation <laughs> Five. So I'm really excited. Um, also, it sounds like Reverse Clue, and I love that for it. Sure, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. you know, with Mrs. White with the candlestick in the library. It's great. <laughs> have Escalation missions been in the game since 2016, or are they new to three? Because they didn't. remind me of Contracts, except the game kind of. Does the contract for or yes. like that's that's the, pretty much determines the contract before you? Okay, yeah. So it's basically like IO Interactive made contracts for you, and then the, so the contracts are the user made uh, conditions for that. And I haven't I've been I haven't uh, messed around with that stuff yet in Hitman Three, but pff, boy, it's like infinite content. Because the thing too is like they build out these huge levels with all these different possibilities, and if you just do the story missions, you don't really see most of the possibilities in this map. So that's what the the contracts and the escalations uh, really do. Because like after I got through the whole game, I'm like, damn, I really want to go back to those maps. I could do the challenges or whatever, but it's you, you have to hit the same targets. Uh, but it's infinite content, bro. It's fucking wild out here. I was going to say so, that that puts a lot of life in that game. That's really cool. It's, it's a very smart mm-hmm. way of doing it too. It's not just being like, here's multiplayer, here's a battle royale. <laughs> Speaking of that, though, it's pretty cool because I don't know if you saw, but IO Interactive recouped the cost of development for Hitman 3 mm-hmm. already, which is impressive because wow. they self-published Hitman 3. And uh, I, I don't know if 1 and 2 were quite as much of a success. I don't remember. I know Square Enix was like, this series is unsuccessful, even mm-hmm. though it was still like somewhat successful. Yeah. Um, and that's ultimately part of the reason why uh, Square Enix uh, sold them off or, them, or yeah. got rid of them, dumped them. Uh, so, so I don't know. I just thought it was pretty like exciting to see that they are, that that game is doing well because IO Interactive is incredibly, an incredibly talented studio. And like, I'm, want to see more of what they do especially for this new bond game yeah yeah i talked to them at, at pax west 2018 in the lead up to hitman 2 and i was just asking like yo how do you how do you come up with all kinds of like bullshit they're like <laughs> i don't know we go we go into a room and we come up with some we do some wild shit a lot of the shit that you don't see that doesn't end up in the game but they basically let their everyone just gets as creative and wild as they want they don't really care they're just like as long as we can implement it in this fun in the game they'll do it. So that, I, I feel, I feel like that the d- design philosophy really shows in the game. Cause Hitman's funny as shit. Like <laughs> it can be dead ass serious and like the ways in which you assassinate them and like the, 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 the level at which everyone in the game takes itself seriously is part of what makes it funny. Um, so I've, you know, I've never, I've never stand a bald white man, uh, before, <laughs> but I mean, shit, Hitman, you know, agent 47, that's my guy. That's the thing I was talking about. I think it was last week. Just that's Tam, the kind yeah. of yeah. That's the kind of thing that like ha- it doesn't put me off of a game. It just makes me feel like the game's not necessarily for me. Or like it, it's it's hard to grab my attention 
when a game is like just like here's like I said this about Alan Wake. I've never played Alan Wake because I was like, I don't care about that dude. But like, <laughs> I you know it, it's more of a an ingrained thing because you know as a millennial girl playing games, you you tend like in the past it actually was that way when a game was mm-hmm. really manly on the outside it was not for you and so i just am still dealing with that training callie <laughs> i am so glad you said that i said the exact same thing about alan wake like because it, it like really? okay this is gonna sound so stupid and reductive because i played alan wake for the first time last year but like there very much is that mentality that like no that's a boy game you know, and like yeah. it's something that you don't it's it's yeah. tr- and like it sounds so stupid to say that, right? Because obviously that's not true. But like when you're a woman, you're very much t- like the the way that they're even marketed. Like they're not marketed mm-hmm. towards us. So it's like the same way that we buy like the the pink razor. It's like it's like the same thing. Um and like for the longest time, I did not play Mass Effect, like the Mass Effect trilogy because I thought that I was like I don't want to play like some Halo shit. <laughs> and and like andrew my my boyfriend was like no like you would love mass effect like there's like romances like the characters are really great like i think you would actually genuinely love this game and i was like shooters (laughs) they also like mass effect put the most boring character on the cover like just (laughs) (laughs) i see like this stoic white dude on the cover i'm like okay you know uncharted got me a little nate Nate Drake's a little cute it's you know (laughs) But, uh, oh, who's but that? like, who is this Yeah, I was like, my dad's in the military. This just looks like the people he works with. <laughs> uh, See, but then I, I played Mass Effect, and Mass Effect Two is like one of my favorite games of all time. So, but but there is that stigma of like, I don't know if I can play this game. I don't know if I'm gonna like it. I don't know if it's for me. Um, and it turns out, oh, like Metal Gear Solid, same way. I played Metal Gear Solid 2 for the first time last year. And I was like, holy shit, this game slaps. And I never would have played it because like I felt like that would be weird for me to play. Yes, Metal Gear is definitely one of those. It It's mm-hmm. so like, just to like bring the point home a little bit, like it's not that I'm like, oh, I don't want to play a game with a male protagonist. Because like, I have to say that because I get accused of that all the time. It's oh, yes. more that like growing Seconded, up. So I'm not yelled at (laughs) yeah growing up i was so used to like there were games that like girls were allowed to play and games that boys were allowed to play and that's not as much the case anymore and that has improved a lot Mm -hmm. but i still have that like i i played a lot of shooters because like my dad would buy them and so like shooters i don't have that barrier with um but also playing shooters i would have my dad be on the mic for me or i would play on his account Mm -hmm. so i would avoid being targeted um, cause my like username was girly or like my gamer tag was kind of girly and I had like a girly, like, like profile picture or whatever. Um, but so it's just kind of like ingrained in me to be like, oh, that's like just a dude bro game that that's probably going to have like a big titty woman in it. And like, <laughs> I mean, not that I'm complaining, but like, <laughs> it's like not in a way that is for me. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I said this last week. I'm so sold on Hitman. Like, to bring it back to Hitman, I, like, I regret having that barrier with Hitman before because it sounds, like, incredible. Well, there's nothing to regret because, like, you can play all of Hitman now, like, in its full form, and this is the best Hitman. So, I don't know. I'd say your timing's pretty good to come around on Hitman. Yeah, I'm about it's to all, be it's uh, all there. sliding into Callie's DMs and be like, girl, how was that murder? <laughs> uh, Callie, what have you been up to? Well, you may have seen on Twitter, but I finally completed the catalog in Animal Crossing New Horizons after six months of actively pursuing this and over 1000 hours. I have collected every item in the game. I've crafted every item. I've customized every item to every variant. I even bought all the fake art just so it's in my catalog. I got all the fossils, all the songs, everything Uh, until the update launches tomorrow, in which case not in which case. In once that happens, I will know I will have more things to get. But for one day, I I have finished it, and it took a really long time. And um, I'm so glad that I've created a life for myself where people are like, congratulations, instead of like, I'm very concerned for you. <laughs> so, um, uh, I did that, and then um, I've been playing Raft, which is it's in early access, right? It is, yeah. Um, it's a uh, 
a game where you're you start out on a raft in the ocean and you there's like trash every well it's not like trash trash it's like plastic and wood and different materials that you can use to craft things you gather those you build out the raft you start developing like kind of like your floating like system of empire. stuff you get like a an empire yeah you get like a water purifier and you grill fish that you fish up and there's a shark that's always following you which adds to the whole thing um it's like just a survival crafting game but i'm i we played i played with jake and matt Padgett last night and we i i like at first i was like i don't know if i'm going to be able to play this because it's like on the ocean and there's waves and stuff and i might get motion sick but there's a motion sickness setting and that i didn't have any problems after like the initial like 10 minutes of like adjusting to it and then we played for like four straight hours and uh this never happens when jake and i play games with matt but matt left first usually it's like me or jake will be like i gotta go to bed (laughs) and matt will be like oh all right but this time like jake and i were like in we were so involved like i had a whole mission i was like i'm gonna collect this stuff and then i have this stuff to do and i won't go to bed until i'm done with it and jake was like i'm building a roof and like like we went and matt was like i have to go and then bounce and jake and i played for like another half an hour or something like finishing our little projects um it's very relaxing it's so good i love that is is that on steam it is, yeah. Okay, I think it's only on right. Steam right now. Yeah, I I would definitely recommend checking it out. And like that was the first time I pl- I've only played one day, just like four hours straight. But uh, it it kind of works like Minecraft in that you have like a persistent world, and so Jake like owns our world and he saved it. And then like when we all join back in, we'll be back on our raft together, doing whatever. Um, like where we stopped. But uh, yeah. The other thing that, like, was really cool about it was I had a eureka moment about how to research new things to craft. So I had to Google it because I was really confused because I had a blueprint for something and it wasn't doing anything. And then I Googled it and apparently the blueprint system was, like, messed up somehow. So they just, like, trashed it. And instead you research things by, like, analyzing one of the items. And then when I figured it out, it was, like, all I could think about. I was, like, we have to go collect glass so i can research glass <laughs> well yeah i mean you're done in animal crossing i uh no nowhere near done I, <laughs> I i have probably a tenth of my island done I, I basically flattened it and i'm redoing the whole thing so i'm doing that now with all of the items that i can order for myself because i have all of them but yeah I, it was nice to have another game to play uh jess how about you what have you been playing I've been playing a couple of indies, um, and this is coming out Friday, so my reviews hopefully uh, came out yesterday (laughs) on both of them. Um, So the first one I'm playing is Olia, um, which is by Skeleton Crew uh, Studios, and uh, Devolver put it out. And that game is very, very good. I like it a whole lot. Um, It has very, like... So I think I even said this in my – well, I I have it in my review. We'll see what becomes of it. I'm doing edits tonight. Um, But I compared it to Prince of Persia meets Hyperlight Drifter. That's very much like the kind of vibe of it. Um, It's very – like the story is very kind of ambiguous. The art is really beautiful. The music is really beautiful. Um, The gameplay is super, super fun. Um, like just all the things that you can do with your, your main weapon is like a harpoon and like kind of the ways that you can utilize that to get to certain places um, and like kind of do certain puzzles. It's really fun. It's a really good game. Have, have any of you I played it? I want to interject really quickly because I did not ho- know how to pronounce it until you <laughs> yeah. said it just now. And Michael, I saw the recognition in Michael's yeah, face like- because uh, I, you know, I've been managing the review for it and we, in our like morning meeting, I'll be like, "Hey guys, uh, <laughs> one of the reviews in, 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 that's in progress right now is uh, Olija." <laughs> and I've do I ever for the past couple days I've done it, and every day I'm like, "Why am I so awkward? Why did I do that again today?" Um, it's Olia. Our reviewer also thought it was very good. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was at, like I and like it looked like it would be kind of my shit. Like I I saw the art and stuff, and I'm like, okay. And so I got the code, and then. 
it's it's really good. I was pleasantly surprised. It's the first game that I beat in 2021, and we're starting off strong. And then the other game that I've played is uh, it's called Sword of the Necromancer. And let me I, I pulled it up because I didn't remember. Uh, Grimorio Games is the developer, or Grimorio of Games is the developer for that game. Um, and I okay, pleasant surprise when playing it. I thought because it kind of gave me Zelda-ish vibes, um, and I thought that main character was like young boy. There was a princess. It kind of has like the soul seller vibe, where like you know, like the character would do anything to bring back this person from the dead, Shadow the Colossus mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, and then I found out your character is a woman, actually, and it's a very, it's a very cute gay love story, um, and also Hell very yeah. good. You love to see it, yeah. It has um like just the it's it's not like as artsy as Olia is, but um it's very fun to play. And um yeah, I mean, like I said, it was like unexpected. It, it's it's cooler that we're getting to a point now where like when you do have these love stories, that's not like a selling point. It's just like a casual thing you stumble into and you're like, wow, like that's like representation's getting better when you can just have that in a game and it's not like a big deal. Everybody's talking about it. Like you can you know, I'm not saying that's not something we should talk about. This is the about, lesbian but. game. Everybody play the lesbian yeah. game. Yeah, it's not like, yeah. Yeah, it's not like this unexpected, like, hook, you know? It was just like, this is our game. These are our characters. And it was really sweet. Um, whole thing kind of starts when, like, I guess you're essentially, like, this princess's bodyguard and you end up being responsible for her dying. And she, like, th- and she wants to go out because she wants to, like, explore the world before she, like, takes the throne because her dad always did a bad job of, like, relating to the people. So she wants to learn how to relate to the people and, and see how they live so she can fix these problems. You're her bodyguard. You get her killed or you don't save her and it's your job to like you want you want to bring her back like that's like your whole goal because you fell in love with her that sounds pretty cool how long did it take you i haven't beaten it yet okay (laughs) that one is due at one o'clock tomorrow i'm finishing i finished up Aaliyah yesterday (laughs) did the review yesterday finishing up edits on that and then i plan on finishing the other one tonight so it's gonna be a late night and then getting that done in the morning and up by one o'clock godspeed been there two reviews at once (laughs) Yeah, like I was, I didn't know that we'd get both codes. And in retrospect, like we usually get the codes we ask for. So I kind of did know this was coming, but they both (laughs) sounded cool. So, (laughs) well, I'm excited to check both those out, especially Olia. Yeah. Did I say it right? Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. Because I read through our review uh, and I was like, oh, this seems interesting. And I found it on Steam and I think it comes out tomorrow, right? Or soonish. I, I think I so. Tom- I think it's tomorrow. And I should mention that reviews by Mike Epstein. Shout out to him. So read both yeah. reviews. Shout out um, to Jess's and Mike's. Sort of, sort of the necromancer. I love the uh, the design of Tama, the main yeah. character. She looks dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have been playing the medium, uh, which is another game we just reviewed and comes out. I think today. I think so. I think it comes out today I, on Friday. I always know the important uh, day, but not the release date. <laughs> I know. It's easier to remember that. I can only keep one date in my head at a time. Uh, but I am pretty mixed on this game, and it seems like that that's kind of the, the case in general of how people are how people are responding to this game. I think it does some cool and interesting things, but I also think it's paced really slowly. Like, there's a lot of areas where you're just, like, walking back and forth slowly. And I've never really enjoyed, like, games with fixed camera angles that switch between. Like, I liked it in Resident Evil 1 and and 2 and whatnot. Uh, and, and I think they do some really cool angles with it. But I just find it kind of annoying because it still does that thing where the camera angle switches and then you're going one way. You're holding the control stick one way, even though it feels like you should be pointing at a different. I don't know. Th- that's a little nitpick. <laughs> I know to be exactly fair. what you mean, and it is the absolute worst. So thank you for saying it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an interesting game that I wouldn't recommend to many people. But because it's on Game Pass, I think it is worth it. If you have Game Pass, like it's definitely worth a try. I will say that it does deal with some very heavy subject matter. And I'm not necessarily convinced that it does it well, at least in my opinion. But some of it does work, too. I I don't know. It's hard for... It's tough. The game game deals with a lot, and I don't know if it nails all of it. It nails some of it. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll resonate with some people a lot more than it will others. Well, it's it's interesting because 
Jordan, uh, who reviewed uh, the medium for us, really, really liked mm-hmm. it. And I think seeing kind of, I, I think it's gotten pretty mixed um, reviews, which I always think makes me more interested in the game. Like I think totally that means that means that the game tried to do interesting things, and for some people it hit, and for some people it didn't. Rather than playing it safe, and so I always find that really interesting. Um, and like you know, Jordan talked about one particular thing about the heavy subject matter that stuck out to him, which was that um, you know it has a very sympathetic view of victims, except for when those victims go on to be abusers. And uh, for him, it enhanced the game's message of like viewing people with multiple lenses or seeing multiple sides of somebody um, doesn't mean you have to like what they did or forgive Mm -hmm. them, even if you might understand it. Um, I haven't played it, so like I I don't really have an opinion, but I I found I, I found the game more interesting after the reviews started coming out because I was like, oh, I, I actually am really interested to play this for myself and see how um, the game's like dealing with trauma. And I know there's, you know, it's one of those games that should probably carry a content warning. I know there's <clears throat> mentions of rape um, and things like that, but I, I'm really, I'm like more intrigued now than I was before. Yeah, I should clarify too that I haven't finished the game yet. I think I'm a, a little over halfway. Jordan did finish it. Uh, and I and I do agree with like a lot of his review. Like I do like a lot of what's there, but I don't necessarily like how the story is being told with the gameplay. Uh, it, it just seems so slow, and and it's very much like kind of a personal thing. Like you walk from object to object, you scan the object, look at it, you read something, hear some dialogue, and then just kind of keep moving and doing that. Which for me, I'm like kind of tired of following notes. You know, like I, I just this motherfucker want to shoot shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's not that. It's just like that seems yeah, to be yeah. the crutch with so many video games that are uh-huh, like, look, yeah. environmental storytelling. We've thrown a shit ton of notes all over this place that you pick up and read. And you yeah. spend most of your time reading, right? Yeah, that's that's like the thing I think with environmental storytelling that like drives me crazy. It's like, OK, then like the environment should do the talking, not audio logs and notes. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be able to look at a scene and like, yeah, like see what happened here. Yeah, I will say one thing that is pretty cool about it is how it ties into like real history and stuff like that and how mm-hmm. a lot of these characters like the the like the bigger events in their life that you kind of learn more about are tied to real world things and particularly like what happened in Poland during uh d- during World War II and stuff like that. And, and that stuff is super fascinating and I really like how they really went into that with some of the characters and it also takes place in the nineties too. And like the setting's really cool. And, and there's some things I really like about it, but I guess like this is, this was just a long winded, long winded way to say that I'm very conflicted about this game right now. I plan on finishing it uh, because next week we are going to do a little uh, spoiler chat for the podcast um, that John Luke is putting together. So if you want to know more about our thoughts and Jordan's thoughts who reviewed it, be sure to check that out. But uh but yeah, I mean, if you've got Game Pass and an Xbox Series X or S, definitely give it a shot. I, I, I think people expecting this to be like the first big AAA Xbox exclusive are going to go in disappointed. Just don't go in with that kind of thinking. Just it, it is a Bloober Team game. So it is very it is a psychological thriller or psychological horror, essentially. And it is slow paced at times, but it also has some very good moments of tension. I want to play that one. I, I didn't want to do it like in a review capacity just because like I, I got a little bit of mental illness, <laughs> you know, so like, I, w- I wanted a little bit more time with it. <laughs> you, you could have a little mental illness as a treat. As, as a treat. I uh, got a little bit. Um, but no, like I'm always curious like how games handle that um, because like, I don't know, it's like there are some games that gamify mental illness and that's usually a can of, can of worms. Um, and like, yeah. just, just like as a subject, it can be really hit or miss. And like, it's, it's super subjective too, because like, I know a lot of people who like didn't super care for Hellblade, but like I played Hellblade and actually it was, it resonated with me like super, super hard. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, I want to play it to like look through that lens and kind of see how they handled it. So it's, in- I-, I like hearing people talk about it. I'm going to try it out. Anyway, 
Should we move on to topics for this week? Ooh, yeah, I'm ready to get ready into to this bullshit. Stonks. And we are back with topics. First thing we're going to talk about are the GameStop stocks. Now, this is an interesting story. And to help us break it down, I have a little snippet from a CNET article that kind of explains it. And then uh, we'll let Michael kind of get into it because he seems to be a little more research when it comes to this kind of stuff. Anyway, take it away, Callie. Effectively, the Wall Street bets crowd created artificial demand for GameStop and BlackBerry shares with their own money. There are 2.2 million members of the Wall Street Bets community, though it's nearly impossible to determine how many people are involved in the GameStop and BlackBerry schemes. What happens is that by buying a lot of GameStop shares quickly, the price rises. That's normal. With GameStop, though, there are also a lot of short sellers or people who effectively bet the stock will drop rather than rise. But there's a hitch. If GameStop's price rises too quickly, too much too quickly, short sellers, the people who are betting on GameStop struggles, are forced to buy even more stock to cover their losses. That pushes the stock up even more. That's how we suddenly see GameStop's value jump. Uh, I I guess I have sort of have experience in this realm um, from my background in political work, whatever. I mean, I guess I guess some background for those listening who might not be familiar with any of this at all is that short selling is essentially I am going like ba- the basis is I'm going to bet that this stock of this company is going to fall dramatically. So what you do is you you borrow stock at the price it's at and then you sell it. So for example, if I buy a stock or I borrow a stock that's 10 worth $10 and I sell it, I have $10. And then you bet on that price dropping. So if the price drops to 5 bucks, you buy you buy that stock back and you give it back to the person you borrowed it from. And then now that's only worth $5. So to buy it back it's only $5, but you get to keep the change. Uh, that is that is what short selling is, and obviously scale that to the millions, and motherfuckers make money. And the thing is that head like this isn't technically it's not sanctioned by like the SEC or whatever the Security Exchanges Commission who's supposed to regulate financial markets. So that's where hedge funds come in, and hedge funds do a lot of different things, and one of them is basically giving folks a a easy path to do short selling. That is a big part of what hedge funds do is like, hey, you want to short sell? Pfft, shit, come on board. But also hedge funds are very exclusive. So to be uh, to like to be even like in conversations with folks who run hedge funds, you are you you sort of need to prove yourself. It's kind of like the Yakuza when you or, or like a gang. You need to <laughs> yeah, get back in. to the Yakuza. <laughs> you need to get jumped in. And if you don't have like the financial standing, if you don't got the clout, then you don't you don't get jumped into a hedge fund and you can't you can't participate. And they can fucking do this because hedge funds are not subject to SEC regulations. Uh, so that's why short selling exists in the first place. Uh, and then so with GameStop, it's like I, like when the pandemic hit, I mean, you could ask anyone and be like, yo, is game, GameSpot? Game, no, 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 no. GameSpot's not going to tank. We are fucking killing it. GameStop, you asked me in April last year, is GameStop going to tank? Like, yeah, probably. Yeah. I would bet like. See, here's the thing. It's like I would bet hella money that it would tank. That's what I, that's folks who are involved with short short selling said the same thing. And then so when they are betting on, it's like they're just they they did their short selling business, you know, borrowing stocks and then se- selling high and then buying back low, which is the opposite of actual investing. Um, so then when like when Wall Street bets, bases ah no 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 no, we are going to use collective action to buy up stocks, drive up the price. So you motherfuckers who was trying to make money off of GameStop tanking, now those because short selling has to do with borrowing. So those stocks that you're dealing with aren't yours. And then when those prices go up, and you have to return, you have to return those borrowed stocks to the person that lent it to you. It's like oh fuck. That shit that I, that that ten dollar that those ten dollars that I borrowed from you that shit's actually worth like fifty dollars now. Fuck how am I how how am I gonna pay back that fifty dollars that you're asking for now? And then it's like, yo, you fu-, and then you scale that to the millions. That's where the like Melvin Capital, which is one of the hedge funds who were involved with GameStop, like that's why they they're fucking they are they fucked up. Reddit um, truly said power to the players. They said, see, they said, they said, seize the memes. Uh, so they, they see the this memes. is like me, me, this is like meme stocks, like real talk. And then so basically what this is, is 
What I want folks to take away from this is to show the power of collective action, because that is essentially what Wall Street Bets, the subreddit, did. It's like, oh, we got millions of, well, I guess like 2.2 million members. I don't, I don't think every member of that subreddit participated or is participating in this. But what that tells me is like, look at the damage you did to the to the financial institution with collective action. So like, Take the lesson of how powerful collective action is and then put that into other shit too. Like, I don't know, like fucking take to the streets, like in the workplace and things like that. It's, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone's going to like take away that message. Do you think the government's going to crack down on this type of action? Because I know like it kind of is illegal for like a bunch of people to band together and, and yeah. do that. But like it, it, what a lot of people posted on Twitter was like, I bet you that the government will take more action on this than they did with all of those politicians and and people who sold off all their hotel stock right before the pandemic yeah. when they learned mm -hmm. that uh, all these travel shutdowns would happen. And that, it, yeah. depressingly, I could 100% <laughs> see that happening, like shutting down that Reddit, uh, subreddit or whatever, and like... Yeah, I I definitely feel what you're saying. Like, oh, they're gonna act now. Uh, I I don't. That that is that is a genuine concern. Obviously, I don't have the answers. If I did, I'd be making a whole lot more motherfucking money right now. <laughs> uh, but at least my perception is that this shit is hard to track. I mean, yeah, people like, like you can shut down a red a subreddit, but like people are gonna find, find another other way. ways to do this yeah. if yeah. they want to. Yeah. And to that and point, so, the subreddit was yeah. made private. Um. And the Discord yeah, community go. for Wall Street Bets was shut down. Mm. Uh, so another another thing too is like, yeah. I I'm extremely hesitant to be like, yeah, fucking Wall Street Bets, let's go. Because you bet your ass, there's a bunch of people doing either doing it in bad faith or just like straight up shitty people. Like, yeah, yeah. they they might be the ones who are like banding together to uh, stick it like to the hedge funds. Yeah, and then like make the hedge funds show they ass like. That's cool, and I appreciate that. But these aren't—I—I'm willing to bet that these aren't the people who be like, "Hell yeah, let's now, now let's fucking let, let's go, let's go get them. Let, let's let's pull some money together and support like local initiatives and the DSA and shit like that." No, that's not happening. <laughs> that's so they've transitioned to AMC now. Apparently, I don't know how that's going though. Yeah, shit. More power to them, I guess. I don't know, but then, like, so, and there's a like a obviously I don't know everything, so I'm like. Okay, now that y'all got these stocks at like hella high prices, you they bought low and sold high and in mass, so that's why I accelerated the stock prices. Uh, I don't know what the fuck they do with that shit from here on out. Like the thing is, that's not the real value of GameStop, right? Like they've inflated oh yeah, yeah. the stock price, but that's not mm -hmm. the actual value of the business. And the yeah. thing about stocks, <laughs> when you when you're talking about publicly traded stocks, like. Those stocks have been, they, they were issued years and years and years ago. So that's not actually like giving the company money. It's it's not like, you know, you, you think of the stock market as like, oh, it's a way for people to invest in the businesses they think are going to, to do well. But like, that's not where companies are getting a lot of their actual money to invest in their business. You would need to do a particular thing to do that like it it's just all it's yeah. just yeah. all it's, fantasy football it's not like, it's not tied to real value because like what is what not. is gamestop doing to actually drive up that confidence that actual stock price fucking nothing there's like my, my contribution to the conversation is i quit working there last october it was it was horrible <laughs> should have came through with some stock options though you know what yeah. i'm saying uh i would be very surprised if they last more than a couple more years. They were really, really banking on the new console generation, like really hard. Like that was that was the push. Um, but yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Like it, GameStop's in the headlines now, but I imagine once this settles down, they're going to be they're going to be in the same spot they were a week ago. No, hundred percent. Yeah, it's not going to change GameStop's fortune because that's not what stocks do. It's not like the stocks have given mm. them all of this this influx of mm. cash that the they can now use to somehow improve their business. Like that's not what the stock market actually does materially for businesses. So yeah, like it, it's really just about either the lulls, which is a very common thing on Wall Street bets. There's a lot, like seriously, that it's a lot of like 4chan-y kind of language on there. And yep. then and then part of it is obviously like sticking it to specific people and power to them for sure for that one. If the average person on Reddit 
could do this. Like, think about all the shit who, like, the people who play the game get away with. And it kind of ties into what Jake said about, like, do you think these people will be punished? Like, are they going to crack down on this? And it's like, my, I just, I just get carried away thinking about, like, the messed up shit that people aren't being punished for and how easy it is to, to yeah. just play this. Like, because, look, people are doing it. And it was not too hard for them to do. I, I just think when it comes to scale, like, the the number of people who are participating in this is that, like, you don't see that every day or you mm-hmm. just – you won't get that very often unless there's – like, this is collective action on a scale I can't even imagine. Well, let's transition off the stock market and let's move on to the stock market in Animal Crossing, Callie. <laughs> What's new? <laughs> uh, well, the uh, this is the second item of news for the day, <laughs> which is the uh, Animal Crossing January update, which um, was finally revealed kind of like – at the 11th hour, because January is almost over. Um, but it adds Festival, which is Animal Crossing's carnival holiday, um, hosted by Pave the Peacock, who does a little dance. It is the most random of Animal Crossing's events, I would say. I like it. I understand that it is a holiday and it is celebrated places. It's just a very weird one for Animal Crossing for some reason to me. Um, I don't currently know anything about it because we're recording this on Wednesday and it is for tomorrow, which means I'll probably start downloading it like 9 p.m. Uh, tonight. But um, it's going to add like new items. There's like new seasonal items to order. I did a thread about this one item that I saw that made me think that they're going to let us put rugs outside. I'm probably wrong about that, but I like really want it to be true because I think it'd be cool to put rugs outside. I saw that post and I immediately thought of you because I think we have had this conversation before, or maybe you've just tweeted it before about how you wanted rugs outside. And I was like, oh, she's got to be so happy. I I seriously, it took me the entire day to do this, but I re- I because I had other stuff to do. I didn't rewatch the trailer until like 4 p.m. and I was looking for new furniture items. It's a lot of like almost like tiki looking mm. furniture or like a lot of like feathered um, stuff, which is like cool. There's not a lot of stuff like that. And it is a game set on an island. So like power to you if you have an island themed that way. Um, that's good news for you. But um, I was looking at all the items and then I saw the like there's like a rug in one of the sequences and Nintendo actually treat, uh, tweeted a higher res image of this, but the character walks over it and there's like feathers on it. There's no item like this. Like there are items you can walk through and over like piles of leaves. And then there are rugs that you can put in your house and they don't have like any 3d element to them, like feathers that you would walk through. So the feathers behave like the piles of leaves. But the thing about this item is that there are four floor lights which is an existing item all around it and they are placed in a way that the game currently does not allow if that item was like a pile of leaves like the game wouldn't allow those floor lights to get that close because there's an invisible square around the item like a hitbox almost that prevents you from placing items too close together and so i was like either this is a rug because the rug item is the only thing you can put other items on top of or the floor lights are like built into this item in this really weird way. So anyway, I have problems and um, I also have a little mental illness. And uh, oh. <laughs> no, just, I, I just, you know, <laughs> I, I get you. This was me whenever I think in like The Sims 3 or something like that, like it stopped, like you could start doing a little bit more with your furniture, like placing like candles on a coffee table or like you could have a lamp that was just taking up like part of the square in the corner yeah. it was a game changer i was very oh, excited yeah. so i i i understand i recognize you i the thing is this is what sustains me because i found the update to be so profoundly disappointing that i was like <laughs> i need something to channel my energy into because i have been waiting for brewster this whole freaking time i want brewster I'm not going to be one of those people that's like, fuck Nintendo. There's nothing in this game. This game's incomplete because I I don't think that's true at all. But I was like, oh, yeah, the January update. I haven't had like I'm 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 approaching the end of like stuff I have to do in this game. Finally. 
and I would like a substantial update. I Do you think maybe that'll update, be a year two thing? Because Nintendo said they plan on keeping, I mean, supporting Animal Crossing for as long as they can. And it's, and it's, it was a huge success. I feel like once they get all of these, um, the, these holidays out of the way, then maybe they can start adding in infrastructure. Cause personally, that's why I fell off. Cause it was like, I can't upgrade Nook anymore. I was only able to upgrade it once really, I guess kind of twice. And like, I can't turn Kix's little shop into something permanent. Uh, and that, that's honestly like one of my favorite parts about Animal Crossing is seeing like that town actually build. Uh, so I, I hope they bring it back, but it seems like year two might be the time to do that. Yeah, I, that's what I'm thinking. Um, the March update that was teased is the Mario items update that like they had mm. announced, I think back in like September that the Mario update was going to be in March. So we knew that already, but it feels like, you know, March is going to be the one year anniversary of the game so um and like i i i feel like i i feel like this was a true thing that i saw data miners talking about was brewster i feel like that was in a data mine and i didn't dream it up but who knows i think that's definitely a possibility because they you know they've been putting a lot into the game that it gets continual updates like nintendo has like, you know, people who are dedicated to making Animal Crossing content, they have like, like regular Animal Crossing, like update videos that they post. And so it just feels like, you know, they're, they're kind of all in on it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's also interesting part of the announcement. Um, it wasn't part of the update announcement, but it was also announced on the, at the same time was the U.S. release of the Sanrio collaboration cards, Amiibo cards, um, which is just interesting to me. It just it's like why now they're scheduled for march which is also like oh interesting march interesting march is kind of a special month for you but um in new leaf those cards actually unlocked villagers and currently if you have those cards which never came to the u.s before um they only unlock posters in the game they're really cute posters i have them and i like them i paid somebody on ebay for them actually <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um it's just kind of because they're coming to Europe as well. And so I'm like, OK, that's more than just the U.S. and Japan. Like it's in a few different regions. So maybe it signals something. I don't know. We'll see. I just was kind of hoping for a little bit more in January. And so I'm kind of like, oh, it's just festival. All right. Cool. But that is the last holiday. So. All right, let's move on to listener questions. If you've got any questions for us, you can email us at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com or you can join our Discord by DMing myself and I will put you right in there and we've got a channel in there where you can ask your questions directly. This week, as with most weeks, all of our questions come from Discord. The first one is from Ryan Cooper. Callie, do you want to read this one? Yes. What are some lesser known or niche games that y'all absolutely adore? A couple of mine are Gun Valkyrie on the original Xbox and Tokyo Jungle on the PS3. Okay, I might say this and everybody's going to be like, oh, I played that game, I love it. But I feel like I meet a lot of people who haven't. So my answer is Dark Cloud for PlayStation 1. <gasps> Dark Cloud. I have played that. That game is really cool. I agree. I don't think many people have played it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a smaller one, which is a bummer. That game is incredibly fun. So if you're if you're listening to this and you haven't tried it out, please do. I think it's like even on PlayStation now, I believe. It's it's yeah. it's accessible still. Yeah, it's like an action RPG mixed with a city builder. Uh if I recall correctly, shit, it's been a long ass time since I thought about Dark Cloud. Yeah, you you I mean basically there's like six or seven areas and like there's a new character in each area but like you, you play as the main guy and you go and you get those characters they have different powers and stuff. Um and it's you go through dungeons, there'll be like 20 levels or something like that and you unlock these they're called like atla balls or whatever and you have to rebuild these areas. So yeah, a city it has the city management thing, you get to fight monsters, you're like restricted to play as certain characters. Uh there's a there's a hot genie lady. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't the sequel do away with a lot of that, too? It was just like a standard RPG. I, I feel like I played a little bit of the sequel, too, and I didn't enjoy it as much. But it's so long ago. I, I don't remember. I was the same way. Some people swear the sequel's better. It I didn't it didn't stick with me. Um, I think it still has the city builder stuff, but I, a lot of stuff changed in it for sure. I got a, I got a, I got a few things. All right. Um, Let's hear Michael. 
Uh, one recently, actually, I played is uh, Toho Luna Nights. I I ran my mouth about this game on Twitter, and I actually streamed it myself. But it's a Metroidvania based on Toho. I don't know if y'all know what Toho is, but it's uh, it's basically the Toho originated as uh, bullet hell top down shooters, mm-hmm. but the the Toho property, like the, the one person created it and basically said. If y'all are fans of this, y'all can do whatever you want with like these characters and these assets because uh, y'all take care of the fandom. So Toho is mostly doujin work. Uh, it's all like doujin shit. Like Toho Luna Nights itself is a doujin game. It's basically a bunch of anime girls are like half monsters, half. Uh, some of them are full human, but they all got like magical powers and they're like all They've cutely designed or whatever. <laughs> Yo, yeah, yo. So, so Toho Luna Ice is a Metroidvania adaptation of the in the Toho universe, and it's really fucking cool because it it feels like a, a game that's made in a I don't want to say serious sense because then that like says like all oh, the all the other games aren't like people didn't put in effort, but it, it feels like it, this is a standalone game that anyone can enjoy whether you know anything about the Toho universe or not. Because I didn't when I started this. So I was like, yo, anime girls in a Metroidvania, let's fucking go. And then from there, that was actually my jumping off point. And now I'm like a Toho stand. Now I play like the top-down shooters. I know like the history of these, like there's a whole, there's like 20, 30 characters now, all this shit. Um, it's it's really wild because then the only reason why I know about it is because I was scrolling through Game Pass and it was on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I never heard of this. No one's ever mentioned it to me. And, and it, it has a big following, but it's a very, it's a niche following. Uh, so you won't see it in like headlines if another one of these Dojin games comes out. No one's really going to, you're not going to see it on uh, GameSpot unless I have something to say about it. Uh, <laughs> um, but you, that that game is so fucking cool, man. And uh, it's, the one thing that's really hooked me about it is the soundtrack. Uh, so the guy, the, the person who created the Toho games is also a musician and basically has all like these wild ass uh, songs in it's super up tempo. And there's been a lot of like metal and punk style adaptations of them. And then like a lot of electronica remixes of them. And then Toho Luna Nights, the Metroidvania game that I, I mentioned has a bunch of its own remixes too. So whether you like the game or not, you cannot deny that the soundtrack is straight fire. Holy shit. God damn. And then another another one is a little different is I really like playing full on uh, user created mods of existing games. So this is something that you're very familiar with, Jake, uh, as it relates to Fallout and Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Fallout, was it New California? Uh, New California. That was like a stand- yeah, it was like a standalone user made game based on the assets of fallout new vegas so one that i will always remember is actually one of my still i would consider in like my favorite games ever is called the nameless mod which is based on the original deus ex so if it's it was made in unreal engine and uh, throughout the years like unreal engine the original has been very easy for people to work with so the nameless mod is a story about the planet Deus Ex forums. Wow, I'm showing my age. Yo, I was fucking. So there was there was this thing called forums and message boards, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then there was like the, the people who like the mods of that message board is basically a Deus Ex message board. Uh, also created a game based on the stories that took place within that message board. Use that as a basis to tell the game's story. It's fully voiced. It's the and there's original music and that soundtrack is fucking flames like if you put that soundtrack side by side with the original deus ex you would not be able to tell which one was made by fans and which one was actually made for the game damn um, it's really fucking good i i mean the person who made it is like an actual musician uh yeah. but was part of the like creating that game uh so the nameless mod peep that shit yo it's fuck- like the level design too is actually because the Nameless mod came out in 2009, so nine years after the original Deus Ex. And obviously, they can build off of what Deus Ex had already done. So the level design is actually more complex and much bigger than the original Deus Ex, which is impressive, but also kind of makes sense. Uh, but who, the people who worked on that shit are wild talented because that is like a full-ass standalone game that is fucking flames. I feel like after our second podcast together, Michael, I just like I know your game taste now. It's like... <laughs> music that slaps anime girls yes. and emotional men yes. and i'm about it that's that's yes. that's a good like yes. that's good. oh my god jess you know me better than i know me holy <laughs> shit <laughs> 
Sometimes you just need some <laughs> some thick thighs and sad boys. I get it. <laughs> uh, I thought of a few, I guess. I don't know if this first one really counts, but the original Psychonauts uh, I really enjoy. And now that they're coming out with a sequel and Microsoft is more or less, you know, backing it. I don't know if that game is necessarily niche or small, but if you haven't played the original Psychonauts, I highly recommend it. It's really weird. It's a really weird, fun, like good humored platformer. Uh, other than that, Golden Sun on Game Boy Advance. <laughs> That's a good one. I played a lot of that game as a kid. And I was like, I don't know if that counts as like a niche, smaller game, but considering the fact that it's been what, 15 years since Nintendo's made another Golden Sun game. I think it's Nintendo. It's been like 18 years. 18 bro, years. This point. Yeah, yeah, even longer. GBA. I think that one counts because the Golden Sun games are. Actually, I, I mean, I love them, but I don't know if because they were one of my one of the first RPGs I played and I had it like on my Game Boy, too. And I thought it was so cool. So like maybe it's not good by today's standards, but I remember I enjoying like the hell out of it. Is, I feel like it still you know, is that bad. Like that. The, the combat, the, the way the visual, the visual representation of the combat system in that game is still like fucking impressive for a Game Boy Advance game. Yeah, like, for real. You, if you watch footage back of Golden Sun and Golden Sun 2, like, yo, that's a Game Boy Advance game? Yeah. The fuck? That, that game really like, sh- I don't know, man. Golden Sun, man. You know what I'm saying? Peep that shit. <laughs> don't and emulate it. The, the, the last one is, uh, is Earthbound which mm. I know a lot of people know of, um, but I don't know if a lot of people have played it, but that game is really yeah. good, along with Mother 3, but I don't know if Mother 3 would count because you can't actually buy it here. Mm-hmm. Like It's impossible to get in English unless you get like a fan-made translation in, in a ROM, which... Which you did. Uh, well, yeah, you, on Etsy, you can buy like a Game Boy Advance cartridge of Mother 3 that's been used the using the fan translation. It's pretty cool. Anyway, um, that's what I got. Yeah, I, I guess like I... If you're not embedded in the like video game media <laughs> side of things you might not have heard of some of these like i really liked return of the Oberdin. i would highly recommend that game all right last question here before we wrap up what are your favorite games that you can only enjoy with friends we'll keep this one pretty quick mm-hmm. uh but i will quickly say the forest um because that is a good game but I can't imagine playing that by myself, but it is so much fun with friends. And then Risk of Rain 2, which I talked about a couple weeks ago, which is very good. But that's one that I only want to play with friends. I have some rapid fire ones. So I agree with this. Risk of Rain 2, um, Nidhogg. I love Nidhogg. It's a multiplayer game, so you couldn't. Um, I would say now, like The Raft, I don't know if I'd want to play that game by myself. Uh, phasmophobia definitely don't want to play that by myself i need people there or else i would get very scared um and like i would never like solo queue and like siege i would like i would never want to just play that by myself um but yeah oh and overcooked overcooked is so fun I have like basic ass answers is what I was going to say. Um, like, like Minecraft, don't starve, like those types of like survival games where like, I don't really have fun doing it by myself, but when you're with other people, it's fun. Um, and then also stuff like, like Mario, like Mario Kart, I might play a couple rounds by myself, but I'm not one of those people who like, I just sit down and play Mario Kart for like a couple hours by myself or like super smash. Um, usually I, I want to play with other people. Yeah, Mario Kart's like that game that I dust off once every six months when mm-hmm. family's there and they're like, what's a Switch? And I'm like, here, look, mm-hmm. we can race exactly. Marios. <laughs> we can race Marios. Oh, <laughs> cute. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, play Mario me. Kart by myself. <laughs> I mean, when it first came out, I played a lot of that game by myself, <laughs> but I don't <laughs> still play it, you know? Yeah. Uh, for me, is I'll probably just keep a, I'll have a basic-ass answer, too, is Call of Duty. Um, like I'll like, I'll play Call of Duty for like a good couple, maybe like two weeks multiplayer and be like, okay, yeah, I've seen every map, played every mode, uh, done all the, the shooty boy stuff. I have my favorite loadout and I've, I don't know, I've leveled up all the shit and I have all the attachments. I'm good. But the only, only real time I'll come back to Call of Duty is if my homies are on. And the thing like Call of Duty is a way for us to be in a chat room with each other in, in a way. 
and it also <laughs> it also <laughs> it also gives us a a platform to be extremely toxic with each other. <laughs> <laughs> Like we we're That's not like my we're Call not, of Duty it, experience with my friends too. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's it's not like, it's not like me being toxic to strangers over the internet because I would never do that. But if it's my if it's my homie, like we will fucking roast each other. <laughs> like feelings will be hurt. We will roast each other. There is so much slander that happens. But also like, hey, if, oh shit, only five squads left in Warzone. Hey, shut your shut your ass up. Fucking you know footsteps. Hey, pull up, pull up. Uh, so it's, it's, shit, it's shit like that. Uh, but other than that, like, yo, f- I also, I would never, ever in my live stream Call of Duty uh, with my friends over on Discord because that would be wild problematic. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with me. It says more about them, but I, I, hey, I, don't, I don't endorse that shit. But anyway, we got, listen. Well, on that note, we should probably wrap up this week's episode of GameSpot After Dark. Thank you guys so much for joining me. And thank you, Jess, for joining as well. It was great having you on the podcast. It was so fun. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, and what else was I going to say? I was going to say something else. I don't remember what it was. Plugs. Plugs. That's it. <laughs> Callie, where can people find you and what are you working on? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Inky Dojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. And, uh, you know, not a whole lot doing review stuff. <laughs> Michael, how about you? You can find me on all of my bullshit on Twitter at Michael P. Hyam, where, uh, yeah, I do a lot of bullshit. Uh, and on GameSpot.com, uh, because we are, a lot of folks are doing great work over at GameSpot. So that's where you can find me with all of my colleagues. But you should also, um, as Jess will probably plug, and I can vouch for her, is that Uppercut is a wonderful website with a lot of different voices who are uh, offering multiple perspectives on games that uh, everyone should be paying attention to, including Jess herself. And Jess, what about you? Michael, that was really sweet. Just as just as a little side note at the beginning. Um, but you can find me um, on Twitter at JustJessIsFine. You can also go to Uppercut at UppercutCrit.com. And... Uh, as far as what I'm working on, so I had those two reviews come out yesterday. I have my column coming out this weekend, have another review in the works, and um, I also freelance a little bit too. So like should have some stuff coming out on Uproxx, maybe something on Collider. Just it's it's a little bit all over the place. So if you follow me on Twitter though, it's it's all in one place there. So cool. All right. Uh, and then make sure to stay tuned because we will have the the medium uh, spoiler chat probably early next week i think is the plan maybe wednesday so stay tuned for that but anyway we'll see y'all next week peace Bye.